Hello, how are you doing? I'm just doing a jigsaw at the minute. Oh, a jigsaw, what kind? No, it's your business. Right. What are you ringing at this house for? Oh, I, I was just calling to see if you had the, the COVID vaccine yet. No. All right. Uh, no, it's, it's just... um. I have a friend who has a podcast called the Japan Times Deep Dive, and he started his episode on this topic with a call to his nan. So I thought I'd do the same, but oh. don't worry. Hello, Oscar. I listen to his show. He's a nice young man. You listen to the Japan Times Deep Dive? Yeah, I listen to it. Do you listen to my podcast? Yes, yeah, sometimes. But you listen to Oscar's more? Yeah. It's Alpha show. All right. Do you know when you'll get the vaccine? No. I don't think I'm going to have it done. Why? Because I don't want Bill Gates knowing where I am. Okay, Nanam, I'm going to go now. Okay? This has been a complete waste of time. What? Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. We want to start by thanking those who have supported us on buymeacoffee.com. Thank you very much, especially to those who have become members. Our new members are Olaf Hellman, Brian in Seattle, who also just got his stickers yesterday. So thanks a lot, Olaf. Thank you to Brett, who wrote, came for the cruise, stayed for the river. This guy gets it. Also, thanks to JJ Walsh, another previous guest who is a supporter. Uh, thanks so much. She says, love the work you do and look forward to collaborating on projects again this year. By projects, we can only assume she means boat trips. Well, she runs uh, Seeking Sustainability Live, and I think she became a member because she can tell how desperately we seek to make this podcast sustainable. Also, thank you to Natasha, who bought us a coffee again. Thank you very much. And also thanks to Kaz, Kansai and Beyond, Radley, Brian and Gina, who all bought a JBRC laptop sticker set. Send us a message on Twitter. We'd like to see what you've done with them. And with that, we are officially sold out of our first ever JBRC merchandise. More to come in the near future. Right now, it's time for a message from our corporate sponsor. This episode is brought to you by a meme of Bernie Sanders sitting on a Japanese riverboat. That's it. That's the advert. Can we have 20,000 likes now, please? Hello, Brian, and welcome back to Japan by River Cruise. I'm Bobby Judo. And I'm Ollie Horn. And joining us this week is Lisa Du, Bloomberg journalist and heiress to the famed Hunan Yellow River Riverboat Trading Corporation Fortune. Lisa, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Bobby. Very happy to be here. On this week's show, you may have heard about the cultural reasons for Japan's resistance to COVID-19, but what about the cultural reasons for Japan's resistance to the COVID-19 vaccine? Quick disclaimer, the discussion in today's podcast does not constitute medical advice. And if you needed to be told that, you are an idiot. Yes, that's right. If you want our medical advice, you should be listening to Bobby and Ollie's Medical Advice Podcast, available on all good podcast platforms. But for you River Cruise fans out there, as always, Ollie's got your weekly River Cruise recommendation. Ollie? Yes. Well, Bobby, it's a boast of Disney fans the world over that due to the number of boats they operate, that Disney technically has the fourth largest navy in the world. Well, this week's recommendation is the temporary pop-up that Tokyo Disneyland have installed in the It's a Small World section, a River Cruise conversion that shows what happens if the characters were armed and they meant business. Also, Japan's longest-running, carefully-guarded Ninja River Cruise launches its first-ever national ad campaign in an effort to stay afloat during the coronavirus tourism slump. The ad campaign has raised their visibility, but in doing so, has cost them their Ninja license. More on that later, but first, Soap Talk. Right, Bobby, before we get started... 
special announcement. In addition to Lisa, we also have another special guest with us this week, don't we? That's right. Uh, we noticed that on Ishikawa Summit to See, uh, a podcast that we claim to listen to, that we got called out uh, last week for not ever having featured the original Brian. He was a guest on their show before he's ever appeared on our show. He is uh, the original Brian. He is one of our most fervent and longest standing supporters. He holds the record for most coffees purchased on buymeacoffee.com. On our page that is not generally <laughs> on our page not not on all, all not in all the coffees but uh ishikawa summit to see was correct it has been a gross oversight on our part that he has not been on the show we aim to correct that this evening brian thank you so much for joining us you're welcome guys thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here and with that lisa we know where you live not in a sinister way we're going to send you some stickers uh but you live a stone's throw away <laughs> from one of my favorite parts of tokyo which is good heavens bar Home yes. of the comedy club. Yeah, in Shimokitazawa. Yeah, in Shimokitazawa, which I regret to say, you've seen one of us perform comedy there. And regrettably, yeah. it's the, 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 the less good of the two comedians. What a shame. <laughs> yes. De- well, I don't know, actually. Sorry, I'm not sure about to pass judgment on that. But I did see Bobby at Good Heavens maybe a, a two years, two or three years ago. It was, when I first moved here, and um, so I, the name is very particular, so I remembered it. And yeah. so he contacted me. That was, of course, it's like, oh my god, give me your autograph. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So it was, a, it was a good show. It was one of the decent ones. Then, did you come for a roast or, or just a regular open mic night? Or no, it wasn't like that memorable. But um, so that was sorry. What I just said was there was a slight bit tinge of sarcasm there, but there, it was not. I think it was. It was kind of like one of those things where yeah, it was a roast. Actually, it was a roast. If it was a roast, one of the funniest roast jokes that anyone's ever said about me is very, very relevant to what's happening right now. It was Bill Miller, and he said, uh, "Bobby's dad passed away from Alzheimer's, which is a shame because even to your own father, you were unmemorable." Oh God, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, it's a great venue though it's such a it's a, such a, a great asset to uh to, to tokyo Ali, and, the, and the comedy Ali, scene there ali why are we talking about stuff that is not important at all we've got important stuff to talk about namely we have received we have literally inundated with a message uh that wants to know whether or not you still have a cat i still have the cat the cat's called mary still i kept that name um yeah and i think i'm a cat person now in fact i've i think four or five times now watched the video which is a meme from about a decade ago where a lady is singing a song or or sorry a lady is giving a dating profile video that's been made into a song where she goes i love cats i love every kind of cat i just want to (laughs) hug them all but i can't hug every cat and that's now how i I feel i know exactly the video you're talking about. oh man it's me i'm now like i'm watching like my youtube recommendations is now all cats videos of like cats waking up or like videos for cats of like (laughs) oh if that's the case i have so many recommendations for you (laughs) oh send them my way send them my way this is all i want to hear about now love i love i'm a huge cat person love cats oh yeah well now now i do now i have one and i realize that that i think it loves me i think that's the I think that's the main thing I, I think this cat loves me and that's why i now love all cats i have realized though that bobby in terms of strategy our strategy of making a well-researched high quality 30-minute podcast every week is pointless what we should be doing is filming a fish tank for two hours and putting that on youtube because that they have tens of millions of views as people don't know what to do with their cats stick that on the tv and 
there's obviously adverts every 10 minutes, right? These guys are clearly making bank. Why don't we do it? Uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea because uh, it doesn't work just for cats. Uh, I use it for my children as well. I thought you played in this podcast. Well, uh, we were planning on talking a little bit about uh, vaccines this evening, but we could just do the, the entire 30 minutes on cats. You know, there is actually a COVID angle with cats. Tell me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the tiger at the Bronx Zoo got COVID. No, so um, so cats can catch coronavirus, like mm-hmm. types of it, variants of it. And um, remdesivir, which, you know, was one of the first drugs approved in the U.S. to treat um, to treat COVID and also was approved in Japan. Well, that's not true. One of the first was bleach. <laughs> that was one <laughs> right, of the second. Right, right. <laughs> Can't forget that one. Injected right up things. <laughs> there, there's a disclaimer that there's nothing I say is medical advice, right? But anyway, yeah, we, so, we so remdesivir, that. you know, um, there's like a black, so there is a black market drug for cats when they get some, when they get certain like feline viruses that is basically the same as remdesivir, like the formulation. Huh. Huh. Yeah. It's basically the same thing. This will this will lead us nicely into a discussion about how well we should vet vaccines. <laughs> yes, let's jump into the news. The Mainichi Shimbun reports, Japan PM Suga coached on how to use social media to connect with public. Our own JBRC Press Club correspondents have followed up on the story. Yes, at Gva Oto tells us that a source close to Suga reports that the Prime Minister seemed uncomfortable with the words social and media and asked instead if he could refer to it as liberal democratic mouthpiece. Also, contributor Ann Kilzer details Suga's plans to issue his next plea for Japan's populace to stay at home during an insta-live from a Ginza steakhouse. And she suggests that if Suga wants to get ratioed that badly, he could just take a look at the percentage of positive PCR tests. That reporting in detail later in the show. Yes, and if you'd like to join the JBRC Press Club, follow us at JBRC Pod on Twitter for next week's assignment. We wanted to ask someone about Japan's vaccine rollout plan, but unfortunately, Vaccine Minister Kono Taro wouldn't accept our Twitter DM. Lisa, as a journalist on the Japan vaccine beat, what can you tell us about the latest developments in vaccine news? Well, like you just mentioned, um, the, one of the latest developments is that there's been a minister assigned to be in charge of the logistics of the vaccine rollout, and that's Kono Taro. And, has um, there? you know, he's very... Has, has he? <laughs> has there? We were not aware. <laughs> yeah, you know, not millions of uh, video messages, tweets, <laughs> press release, you know, he, he loves the tension, I think. Uh, but, you know, everyone everyone knows Taro, uh, Kono Taro, right? He's a very maverick guy. I don't loves know to who tweet. Kono Taro is. I know who Taro Kono is. I'm not, are we talking about the same person here? Yeah, this one is running fuse. He's got, you know, he wants he wants people to refer to him by the Japanese order of his name. It's like he's oh, made up a very big absolutely public Absolutely ridiculous. Statement. He really cares about where that Kono goes. But, you know, but English and Japanese word order is different, right? Like if you want to say mm-hmm. Kono in Japanese, you'd say Kono Hito. Uh, in, uh, in English, you'd say this asshole when referring to him. So uh, I think we need to be respectful <laughs> of the fact that the languages are different. Um, anyway, look, that's just a little joke there about grammar. Kono Taro, more like Kono Yaro. Okay, good. Okay, so we, we've got we've got some jokes in early. Let's talk about the vaccine. It, it, does he know what he's doing? He had, I don't. He's not a science guy, but this is logist. This is a logistics maneuver. So you know, he did. He he. You know, he's ex defense minister. So I feel like he probably has some experience in this field of logistics. And um, and the other thing that he's he's known for is you know he he's the guy to kind of go to to get things done. Like he has that reputation. Right. And um, 
you know, like he, before this, he was um, when Suga became prime minister, he was assigned to become the administrative reform minister. And, you know, immediately in a month, I did a he, you know, he was on this war against Hanko, the stamps that you need to do on every paper document in Japan. And within yes. like a month, he was like, I've identified 15,000 things that need Hanko and we need to get rid of basically like 14,900 of them. Mm. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the, the one that you didn't need to get rid of was the form that lets you get rid of the hunko, which you are required to hunko. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or, or actually, or, or maybe that's how they uh, they ease the vaccine rollout. That, uh, oh, you want the vaccine? You've got to bring your hanko with you, I'm afraid. Um, maybe that's the oh, triage. Oh, you shouldn't even joke about that, though, because they are doing that with my number. Oh, they want God's everybody sake. in the country <laughs> to sign up for my number. And I heard on the news earlier today that they're saying uh, you'll need you'll need your my number to get a vaccine, so they can track how it's been distributed. Goodness me! All right, well, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop making jokes lest they become prophetic. But Lisa, for those who don't really know how the Japanese medical system is structured, you know, some countries have a very decentralized system, insurance based, loads of private clinics. Some countries, like the UK or some Western European countries, uh, you know, have a lot of kind of top level decision makers that can uh, spread uh, logistics all across the country. Across, you know, the UK, it's through NHS trusts. Where on the scale does Japan fall? How much power does Kono actually have? The way the vaccine road has been designed from what we know so far is basically, you know, it, it is it is going to be carried out at a local level with the national government providing the resources. Like they'll ration out like freezers right. and they'll, they'll ration out vaccines. But how it happens on a local level is done by the municipality. So mm -hmm. you could be seeing several different models happening. Um, there's going to be kind of a generic system. There's some kind of computer program called VSYS that's going to be used, I think, by all the municipalities to track the people. And, I, and the, the one thing I know they've they've said is that they're going to be mailing out like coupon cards to people yeah, so to come well. get vaccinated. And so that's going to start basically with the elderly first. When when you say the elderly, what's the age range there? When you say the elderly. I believe it's over the age of 65. Oh, okay. So a quarter of all the people in the country. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they'll, they'll start, well, they'll start with health, healthcare workers, frontline healthcare workers, and then, and do them, and then, and then the elderly, and then those with pre-existing conditions. Oh, so, and then, so they'll start with yeah. the 20 some healthcare workers and then go to a quarter of all the people in the country. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very small compared to the amount of older people you know i think it's they're starting with ten thousand mm. medical workers and then expanding that slowly but right. yeah and the starting date is supposed to be end of february okay so so still still actually quite a long way after some other countries some other developed countries have started and maybe we can pick up on that later but is the infrastructure going to be kind of clinics or are they going to be big pop-up centers are they going to be kind of repurposed buildings <laughs> there's a load of uh, there's a lot of vacant buildings at the moment you know are we going to be seeing like made cafes be repurposed into vaccine centers where are people actually going to be going to get their vaccine? <laughs> That's a, that would be a good way to hit some uh, some certain Saudi man demographics, right? <laughs> if you could do the May cafes. <laughs> yeah, and some of them even have nurses' uniforms ready to go. <laughs> well, you, in Japan, I think by law, you actually need to be a doctor or nurse to pierce someone's skin with a needle. That's that's a whole separate thing. But but so in the at the local level, it's still completely up to local authorities. They could kind of contract it out to a a hospital or a clinic mm. to do it, or they could arrange it themselves. Where you know they they do it in kind of a public space like a gym, and they'll set it up. 
So it's completely, um, you know, it'll be, it's, it'll change depending on the locality you're at. Okay. I actually saw someone had shared on Twitter earlier today uh, the envisioned plan for how they were going to actually administer the vaccine, and I think they had something where they they planned on having somebody in and out within three minutes processed and administered the vaccine within three minutes. And I remember thinking like, Japan, when they want to, they can be really efficient. They can be super efficient. But I think this is another one of those instances where they forget that they'll also need to do foreigners as well. Because I have never been to a (laughs) hospital where there wasn't like 15 minutes of the nurses trying to decide who had to try to pronounce my name. And then another 10 minutes of the doctor practicing his English. (laughs) But you have a really easy last name, isn't it? Judo te. It's quite easy to pronounce. Bobby. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I the three minute thing, I don't know. So just so just today, and this is probably going to over the news already. That you know they they ran a vaccine simulation in Kawasaki City, which is you know just north of Tokyo as part of Kanagawa Prefecture. Um, they did a simulation where there was like this is what what it's gonna. This is what's going to be like mm-hmm. to have 20 elderly come in to get vaccinated. And they did it in the gymnasium of a nursing college. and um, But the, the whole purpose of it was like, oh, we need to learn because we don't know what it's actually going to be like when they vaccinate. And um, they had set up like, you know, waiting areas. They had a consultation room and then the actual place where you get the vaccine mm-hmm. and then like a, a follow up area right after. But then the, the, even the commenting, the, the, the officials are commenting afterwards were saying things like, oh, we didn't expect um there, that you know the, the initial consult would take so long uh, because there are a lot of old right. people are really worried about the side effects and right. so, and you know things like that. But it, it, you know, but it was quite thoughtful because they're also saying like, oh, you know, this is just how Kawasaki is going to do it. Um, we we try to set this up this gym space with a lot of like simple things like temporary walls, paper signs, so that if someone wants to copy us, like they can do it very easily because mm. you can get any of these materials anywhere temporarily so it was, it was very thoughtful the way they they were th- approaching it at least while it's obviously a good thing they're doing a, a simulation i guess some people are going to be asking why is japan doing a simulation at the same time that other countries are putting actual vaccines in well for one thing there is no no vaccine has been approved in japan <laughs> yeah what's what's <laughs> you know what's the difference in timeline with that well yeah what's with that then um I mean, it's a whole regulatory process, right? If the vaccines are developed by Pfizer and BioNTech, AstraZeneca, Moderna, and if they don't apply for approval, there is nothing to approve. Mm. So in Japan, only Pfizer has actually applied for approval. And they did that um, in mid-December. And all official, all reports kind of from local media and as well as Bloomberg's own reporting is suggesting that the approval will probably happen in mid-February, which is why you've got the end of February will start vaccination dates. And so, you know, so they they need to go through the whole approval process. Presumably, this approval is is more than just a rubber stamp. Maybe maybe that's a bad analogy, um, but, uh, but <laughs> oh, presumably dear. they have they're doing they're doing some kind of local testing. You know, they're they're doing some something in the in in labs. Why, why is it taking so long? Yeah. So uh, one thing that Japan that Japan requires is that you need to run a local clinical trial for this vac- for the vaccines. And so basically, um, Pfizer and AstraZeneca, um started their trial back in the fall actually and so basically for the approval when they submit for approval they are submitting the local um trial data so how the safety and efficacy um sorry not efficacy basically safety data Mm -hmm. and um on the japanese local population um as well as kind of the the data from their global their big global trials that includes like tens of thousands of people Mm -hmm. and then um 
And what they, you know, they, they've submitted for emergency approval, so it, it is supposed to be fast tracked. Yeah. And um, and so you know, the only precedent we have to go on is that um, back in two thousand nine during the H one N one pandemic, um, it took about two to three months back then to approve the vaccine, mm. um, for that for the, for the flu back then. So, you know, it's looking around that time people are saying mid-February, that would be about two months since Pfizer submitted the application. Well, Japan might be taking longer than other countries, but I want to touch on the idea that the whole process is still super fast compared to you know, how medicines and new drugs usually get approved. So I'm wondering, like, what, what do you think it says about not just Japan, but the various world governments and their risk assessment in terms of processing this, this uh, vaccine as though it's an emergency? I mean, I think a lot, a lot of you have said, you know, the fact that they've been able to develop this vaccine and within a year has been kind of just like a, a marvel of, of science, you know. So, but the thing, and risk-wise, a lot of, you know, everyone says like, you know, Pfizer's and Moderna, they have an mRNA vaccine. Everyone says it's it's new, it's novel, but the technology itself has been in development for a while and the idea has existed for a while. Hmm. So it's not like 100% someone just thought it up one day last year, right? And so, and so, so in, in terms, I, I think I'm pretty sure, you know, governments understand that. Um, and then, you know, they, they are, they are fast tracking the trial, but it's, it's gone through, you know, the, the vaccine trial process, there's three phases and they, and, you know, the vaccines have completed the, the three phases. This has happened very, very fast. Right. This is also a public health emergency. Yeah, I don't think there's any suggestion by, by serious people that, the vaccines which are being approved and you know same for the oxford astrazeneca one that that corners are being cut to approve i think it's just that other medicines take a long time because there isn't as much money thrown at it but i do think that people there are some people who are against taking the vaccine but i don't think they're against taking these specific vaccines because they've been rushed through they're just generally opposed to vaccines and no matter what regulatory hoops these vaccines went through they'd still cross their arms or no if they cross their arms then that, that gives them easy access to the upper arm they would put their arms behind their back whatever whatever would prevent that needle going in their arm so let's talk about those people well in the u.s i mean i know the reasons why people are anti-vaccine in the u.s uh it's because jenny mccarthy told them to be but in japan like what's what's the history behind japan's resistance to vaccination so it's it's slightly different from from the West, I think. Um, it's kind of more rooted in you know how the government handled and responded to these past adverse events that were linked to vaccines, yeah. as well as kind of legal decisions that stem from that. And then that that also has caused the government to kind of take an increasingly passive stance on vaccination. So this whole thing happened basically in it started I think in the early nineties where. Um, there was a measles, mumps, rubella vaccine, MMR, that was l suspected of leading to higher incidences of aseptic meningitis. Um, I don't think a link was ever established. Um, but um, so that was kind of, kind of where the modern unease was rooted there. Mm. And then there was this other catalyst, which was a kind of a, a court, it was a court ruling also in the early 90s that basically made the government responsible for any adverse effects from vaccines, um, regardless of whether there was any scientific evidence saying that, like, of direct causality. Oh. And then, uh, and then uh, you know, that just makes the government take this increasingly passive stance. And then a year after that, the, the, the government actually, the law was changed to um, basically not make vaccinations mandatory. And um, 
And so I think all these kind of the government attitude changing, the, the law changing, it just kind of increasingly contributed to this environment where it sent a message to the Japanese people that vaccines are to be taken at your own risk um, and not, for, you know, which which is kind of against the core benefit of vaccines, which is you take a risk for the greater benefit of society. And so that's kind of right. where that, that happened. And then and that's kind of the, the modern history of it. More recently, there was an incident with the HPV vaccine, which is uh, for cervical cancer. And, um, and so this vaccine has been proven safe and effective in basically preventing cervical cancer mm. in women. And you're supposed to get it um, when you're a teenager and in your early 20s. And uh, Japan approved it. It was going, you know, they were, they were inoculating, um, you know, teenage girls with it. Um, but then, um, you know, some groups threw up a fuss about the side effects and um, and then the media, the domestic media, some of the news variety shows really, really blew it up. And it turned into this whole thing where in the end, the, the ministry actually that ended up withdrawing its recommendation for the vaccine. You could still get it, but it was no longer kind of oh, recommended wow. or yeah. being pushed by the vaccine. Well, and then the vaccination rate on that um, inoculation went from 70% to less than 1%. Right. And it's, it is this kind of lack of confidence that could mean that this vaccination program for for covid uh may not reach critical mass i mean you know the stats for japan because of all the reasons that you've just explained are pretty bleak right uh, i think B- bloomberg uh reported i think it was you that reported uh 30% only 30% of japanese people uh were confident that the vaccines were safe so this is a, a big hurdle to to overcome isn't it there was this study done back in September um, by a group that looked at vaccine confidence in different countries around the world. And basically what it concluded was that, you know, Japan had one of the lowest levels of vaccine confidence. For some of the reasons that, that we've already brought up. And part of that is is because, as you said, you know, the government, when faced with the prospect of having to take responsibility for any any negative things that might have come out of it, was like, instead of taking responsibility, we're just going to back away and let things be what they'll be. While providing indemnities too, legal indemnities to the manufacturers. So that is something that's been promised. And actually, in this case, for the COVID vaccine, is I think they're called vaccine injury compensation schemes. And actually, a lot of vaccine advocates promote them because if you don't um, make this promise, there would never be any incentive for drug makers to make vaccines. Mm. Right. Because they're extremely, they don't, they're not very profitable. Um, you need to make a lot of investment into them, into manufacturing, into the development before you know if they work at all. Um, and so, so some, so something like that. I, I think the idea for Japan when they said, that, "Oh, we're going to try to cover any, you know, what, what, you know, we'll cover any legal fees and issues that arise from um, side effects related to the COVID vaccine," like that was almost done to help cut the deals it has with the, you know, with the vaccine makers to to guarantee supply. Got it. Speaking of uh, the COVID vaccine specifically, it would be a little bit uh, disingenuous of me to go the whole show pretending that I have looked into how the mRNA vaccine actually works. So can you give us like a little bit run, uh, of a rundown of how this differs from other vaccines like flu vaccines or what is this this relatively new technology? Uh, how does it work differently from other vaccines? Yes. And which version of Windows gets pre-installed? <laughs> Uh, hopefully not Emmy, <laughs> but um, it's actually quite simple. I mean, um, I'm I'm not actually completely hundred percent sure how 
flu vaccines work, and there's many, many different types. Mm. But you know, traditionally, you know, a vaccine is a um, is a weakened virus. They they introduce a weakened virus into your body, right, and your right. body makes antibodies against it, and then you get immunity. So it's it's you know, and then well, the point with um, all kinds of vaccines is to get your body accustomed to it and yeah. to get them to build uh, to build antibodies for yeah. it, right? Yes, yes. But, you know, it's how do you get your body to build antibodies against something is you need to introduce the foreign, you know, thing. Mm. And so, so traditionally, that's what that's what that's what a traditional vaccine does. This mRNA vaccine, um, how it works is, so mRNA is just messenger RNA, Mm. they're instructions to your cells um, to make certain types of protein. And so the mRNA vaccine, it carries instructions to make the spike protein found on the coronavirus. Okay. Um, and that's the that's the protein that the, that the virus uses to attach to cells and enter them and you know replicate, and so so when when the mRNA mRNA enters your body it makes these um, spike proteins and then your body senses it and starts um, creating antibodies against it. But actually, the actual virus isn't actually in your body; it's just the spike protein. And it teaches your body's cells to build that itself. Yes. So the yeah. So the mRNA is giving instructions to your cells to to f- start manufacturing this. The coronavirus spike protein, and then when that happens, okay, your body senses like, oh, this strange thing is in it's in the body, and they all start creating antibodies against but it. But the spike protein itself is not harmful enough to do damage. It's just something that also exists in the coronavirus. Yeah, it's the outer shell of the coronavirus. Okay, so it's it's not it's not an actual virus. It doesn't you know it doesn't start it doesn't it won't infiltrate your cells and start replicating or anything. But it has enough coronavirus identifying marks in it so that when the actual coronavirus gets in, your body will know that and have the antibodies to attack it. Okay, so basically you're teaching the body to make something on its own so it can recognize that and know how to take it apart. This is actually like something I do in my parenting. I've I've taught my kids to play this game where they can make any rule that they want and I have to follow it as long as they can make up some super crazy, totally random and clearly invented reasons that I have to follow their rule. That way, if in the future anyone ever gives them a Bible, they'll be like, oh, right, this game. Hey, thanks very much for listening to this episode 69, Nice, of Japan by River Cruise. Bob is rolling his eyes. Don't forget, if you would like to sign up to our mailing list, he, I, he told me not to do it, so that's why I did it. Uh, if you'd like to sign up to our mailing list, then you can do so at japanbyrivercruise.com, where you get all the best bits from the show in your inbox once a month. I apologize on behalf of us to our guest this week, Lisa Du. Thank you for joining us. Anything else we can be on the lookout for from you? Yes, we've just put out this piece that I helped edit on how Japanese politicians like Prime Minister Suga has a lot of difficulty communicating kind of the risks of COVID to the youth and the risks of them potentially spreading it. Um, so maybe he could he could take a read of that too and take away some more social media lessons if he needs. <laughs> Otherwise, thanks again for having me on. Very cool. We'll check it out. And thank you all for listening. As always, we will see you next week. And Brian, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It was great. <laughs>